Good afternoon, good evening, and good night whenever you're listening to this. Probably in the morning. You're probably running. You're probably being one of those good people out there on the treadmill, out on the road, with your reflective vest on, making sure you're not hit by traffic. Listening to me, Jake Newton, your host of this podcast, Shark Brain, the podcast about creativity, about those who create, how they do it, how they navigate and circumnavigate the things that get in our way. How you guys doing? I don't feel like we get to talk very much. Maybe just once a week or so. Some of you I talk to a bit more than that, but uh, yeah, I want to find out how you're doing. It's late January here in Los Angeles. It's kind of dead. Well, weather-wise, I'm sure that if you're plugged into the system, it's a very busy time for you. I had a very surreal experience today. I'm recording this the day before it airs, so January 26th is today. Today's date, tomorrow, January 27th, is when it's going to be airing. Why do you need to know that? Because tonight are the Grammys. So I'm going to get ready to go into my living room and watch them, like many of you, most of you. But I'm rooting for a few people. I've got a few dogs in the fight, so to speak. Actual friends of mine are being nominated for Grammys. Some who are actually going to be uh, awarded during the uh, the ceremony. You know, you have, many people have jazz friends, and jazz friends always get awarded right, first right out of the gate. Or like um, the night before, like the... Like the Academy Awards do, you know, the night before, or not the night before, like a week or two before, they have someone like Zoe Deschanel go out there and go like, oh, hey, I got you guys an award for inventing a swivel head for a new camera. And some guy gets up there and says, I'd really like to thank the Pythagorean Theorem and George Lucas. And everybody cheers um, in the ballroom that's appointed to them in the middle of Pasadena. And then the actual ceremony happens a couple weeks later. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what happens on the, the unaired version of the Grammys. Not to knock it. Sometimes that's the that's the more difficult music that's actually happening. It's the uh, the appreciators music. See, I did that with the C. Didn't do the SH. Appreciator. Mm. I'm feeling god awful today, guys. I don't know what it is. I think it might be the pound and a half of coffee that I drink. It could be the fact that I eat like a little kid. Damn it. I mean, not necessarily the worst kind of things, but. Like it's a race. Like I'm trying to outrun Hussein Bolt or a pack of hyenas. Why do you need to know that? You guys don't necessarily need to know that. I'm working on me. It's felt good. been exercising. I've been getting my serotonin going. I've been trying to get out into the world and breathe fresh air and not lie in a pool of my own sadness. Incrementally, bit by bit. It's not my normal proclivity, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's not what I normally do. My therapist said this week that I think too much. And I said, really? Let me think about that. Ha ha ha. Grow up, Jake. Grow up. Okay. Bring the energy back up, guys. Come on. Tonight's the Grammys, or rather, last night was the Grammys. People won. People lost. Everyone had a good time. I can expect, unless something insane happened, in which case, I'll just re-record this intro. Um, it, it's uh, pretty par for the course, right? Some people's lives changed. Some for the better, some for the worse. Quite a few girls got sick on uh, on sugary alcoholic drinks. And quite a few guys felt alone and afraid and lashed out in song. I don't know. This week on the show, we've got Ali Tadros, a half-Texan, half-Egyptian singer-songwriter by way of New York City who was out in Los Angeles 
to attend the NAM show and do a few showcases and play Hotel Cafe. We had met earlier this year, I believe it was, or maybe even uh, this time last year. Had her on the show. Great conversation. Great person. A lot of, uh, a lot of moxie, a lot of get up and go, a lot of chutzpah, so to speak. Guts. Uh, I really uh, admired that about her. Just, you know, doesn't hurt to ask should be her motto. Well, hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. You can check her out at elliotadros.com. I'll put the links up on the site, and you can actually check out uh, what she's doing. She's constantly got something in motion. I think she was leaving uh, Los Angeles to go do a TED Talk in Texas. So she's all over the map and uh, got her fingers in many pies, uh, which is probably bad for the other people who want the pie because now it's got fingers in it, and that's just gross. But for her, it's really working out. Can you guys hear that? My chair? It sounds like a, a, yeah, a bird. Yeah, that. I got to get some WD-40 in here. I got to get down to the nitty-gritty and clean my entire house. I sometimes wish you could just tilt it up on its side and shake it until everything that's not nailed down could just fall out and I could start all over. You know what I mean? You ever get the feeling like all your stuff is just pieces of dust and hair and gross and, and pollen that's just demanding every bit of your attention and slowly bringing you down until you can't feel yourself think anymore? No? Is that just me? Have I just found a new way to make myself crazy? I think I did. Great. Awesome. Ever tessellating mental illness with Jake Newton. Not bad. I'm trying to find a way to get to the core of myself. Do you ever get the sense that you're always just out of reach of your true self? Sort of out of phase? Like watching a 3D movie without uh, having the glasses on like everybody else? So it just feels like it's really blurry. Like you got astigmatism, and you're never able to actually able to truly arrest who you really are. No, no. Do we just want to party? Is everyone just looking to dance? Because we could just all dance. If that's maybe that's the thing. Maybe my therapist is right. Maybe I have to get out of my head and just dance. Yeah, that's it. That's it. No more books. No more spiritual journey. Maybe. Maybe I think I need to dial this back a little bit and feel a little bit more. What do you guys think? I mean, listen, it's pop music for a reason, and certainly there is good and bad pop music and ethereal music and uh, and contemplative music. I swear to God I have heard my share of terrible folk songs with big words. Is it, you know, if it doesn't have heart, if it doesn't have pathos... It just falls flat. That's true for pretty much everything. Granted, pop music has a little bit more of an ability to get an earworm inside you. And it think It's too early for dubstep. Calm down. I think that dubstep might be the rat tail on music. At the time, it's going to be like, wow, that's wild. Crazy, right? Years later, you're going to look at pictures of dubstep in its little dubstep uniform, and you're going to go, holy smokes. That seemed like such a good idea at the time. Watch. Um, Los Angeles Philharmonic is going to do a tribute to Skrillex. I'm not saying Skrillex bad. Come on, I'm being very diplomatic here, people. It's a Sunday afternoon that I'm recording this. I can't help but be diplomatic. It's a lackadaisical, fun-loving January day in which it's 70 degrees. I have nothing to complain about. Well, doesn't mean I won't, huh? Right, everybody? Right? 
What else can I tell you about? I'm writing the new, uh, writing the new record. I'm sitting down and I'm forcing myself to do it. It's not necessarily the thing I want to do right now. The thing I want to do right now is to wallow, but I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it, folks. I'm going to live. I want to live. What a fight. Fight for my right to party. And in this case, partying to me is creating thoughtful records, films, and television from a warm mindset to make people think, contemplate their lives, and feel a sense of warmth and togetherness. I want to be the Hallmark Channel. Oh my God. I need to reconnect with my spirit animal. I need to find my core again. You know what? I want to be tougher. I want to be cooler. I can't be the Hallmark Channel. I want to make things that go blah. I want to come up to you in a little like, oh, look at this. Oh, darkness. Oh, everyone's going to die. I don't know. I got to find the medium. The happy medium. I tried on the leather jacket the other day and it looked ridiculous. I don't have the kind of personality that can back that up. No way. Guy with a leather jacket, when he walks in, he'd better have some story where he lost a finger and they had to sew it back on. Or like he just stepped to a dude because he didn't like the way he was looking at him or something like that. No. No. I'm too soft-hearted. You know what I am? I'm a peacoat guy. I'm a... Well, at one point or other, this jacket held some practical uh, purpose for, you know, sailors or something like that. But now it's just for people who like to be thoughtful. I'm fine with that. I cannot pull off a leather jacket. If you think I can pull off a leather jacket, then by all means, send me a link. And I'll uh, I'll get back to you, let you know if it actually is uh, connecting with me. Might not, though. Come on, guys. I can't do that. I'm not Marlon Brando. No way. I'm Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's the spirit. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips with a with a sailor jacket. All right, I've digressed enough. Let's get back to the interview with Ali Tadros. Now, listen, to the, this kind of went up and down. We were still kind of getting to know each other. You know, I, I'd like to think my style as an interviewer is uh, is developing more and more, and I'm able to kind of like, uh, ah, what was that? Be professional? Ow. That was well-timed. But we're able to get into it. Toward the end of the interview, we talk about some uh, heavier, darker stuff. But uh, she's she's a light being. She's good to be around. She's fun. Check her out, alitadros.com. Listen to the very end where I'll tell you about where you can find Shark Brain stuff. The new Jake Newton website has been revamped a little bit, and it will continue in its revamping. Uh, thank you guys so much for spreading word about the show. It really does my heart good to know that... Um, I'm having a subtle and profound influence on your lives. Oh, guys. So happy, happy Monday. Happy week. Without further ado, here's Ali Tadros on the one and the only Shark Brain. Okay, I'm glad I put on lots of lip gloss. <laughs> so, don't worry, don't worry. We dip, we dip that thing in, in hot water every single time so nobody gets sick. Really? No, we don't, no. <laughs> that's a, that's a, bullshit. It's a petri dish, man. It's a petri dish. It's, it's got more... <laughs> It's it's got more DNA on it than a New York City railway. It's a <laughs> <laughs> fucking LA musician. Yeah. Well, you know. Hey, listen, listen. You got to build up that immune system somehow. That's that's the idea. So, thank you for coming in. 
Yeah. You're welcome. Are we recording? We are recording right oh, now. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're in town uh, for just a week right here. Is home, home base is New York City? It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Where do you live in New York? I live in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. Crown Heights in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Now, which which derivation is this? Is this like like still scary or is it like people with strollers? What is this one? No, there are no strollers. Okay. No. Um, it's fun. I live in like the West Indian uh, part of Crown Heights, but it's sort of split down the middle. Half of my neighborhood, literally like half the street is Trinidadian and the other uh-huh. half is Orthodox Jew. Okay. Um, so it's a really interesting mix, like jogs yeah. are really interesting. <laughs> the The responses are totally varied depending on which side okay. of the block. I'm either getting catcalled or like, you know, boys that are rushed away from yeah. me. Shame being just hurled at you in yes. a kind of guilty Jewish fashion. So you're not originally from New York, though? No, I'm from South Texas. South Texas? From Laredo, Texas, down Laredo. the Mexican border. Okay. Okay. All your life? Born and raised till I was 17. Mm-hmm. I'm 27 now. So between then, I went everywhere from living in the Middle East to mm-hmm. Turkey and Egypt to going to college in New York. And I was in Austin for four years before okay. I moved to the city. Oh, you so see, you did the Austin is weird. You kept it bizarre. You did the South by Southwest thing every year. And then. Absolutely. Where did you play in Austin? Where did I play in Austin? Yeah. God, everywhere (laughs) would have taken me because I I got my start in Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, my favorite rooms in town are like the Cactus Cafe Mm -hmm. and um, there's a great spot one-to-one. Venue owners there are amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, God, the rooms have changed around. Momo's was a room that was around for a while that was really popular with singer-songwriters and the parish, stuff like that. Yeah, the first time I ever went to Austin, I was... was working as a merch guy for Carrie Brothers and mm-hmm. uh, and Benley. And uh, I remember walking out. We, they played the parish, and I walked out on 6th Street, and I thought that it was uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> because there was so many people out there. I thought that everyone's apartments had been, like, just turned into a brownout, and they all had to just flood the streets looking to see what was going to happen <laughs> next. As if aliens were going to land. But, in fact, it was just... Friday night. Yeah. It's insane. They rope off the street. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I don't, I'm, I, I have a certain kind of, uh, a, a leery thing about Austin. I think it's really cool. I want to get close to it, but it's like a wild animal. Like, <laughs> it's like, it, it, its fur looks really soft and delicate, but at the same time, it might just rip my face off. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you get you you get cozy, and every, you just turn into like a raging alcoholic. Cause everybody's yeah. in a good mood all the time, and the mm-hmm. cost of living is low enough that all you want to do is two step and like, yeah, like wander down Sixth Street. Sounds like Portland only without ironic line dancing, just regular. Like, no, it's heart it's and soul. right. It's it's just appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no irony. That's the way people dress. Mm-hmm. I went to I did South by Southwest two years ago, mm-hmm. and that was uh, a clusterfuck. I, I just. I had about I had about fifteen to twenty hours of patience, and then at the very end, I I, I just had the worst time because you know going to South by, if you know, you, I, I just thought like well you'd go there and then people will just come to your shows and you just sort of you know I, I'm I'm really good at self promotion and the fact that I'm horrible at self promotion, <laughs> uh, but I, I went there and it was just I I realized how. I was wasn't I, I I didn't come there with anything you know in a specific I was in the wrong place at the wrong time the entire time oh. and then uh, at the very end of it right before I was leaving I got trapped in an elevator in a parking structure yeah with like like five or six other people for an hour were any of the pleasant people they were all drunk 
Oh no! no I really this, wish you were like the head of RCA, but no. Yeah, it was just oh, that would be great. Like just Clive Davis is going like, I'm not on level three. Why won't the doors open? It wasn't that. It was some dude that had had a huge fro uh, wig that he put in his crotch to make it look like he had huge pubes. I don't know. He thought it. He he thought it was some sort of weird version of, of Halloween. I think, but I I remember distinctly telling him to shut up. But I've never done to an adult man before. <laughs> But I did. Yeah. I felt I was kind of proud of myself. I was able to do that. <laughs> Maybe that was the whole moment. Maybe that was... That could have been it. Maybe that the entire weekend of me going there was to get in touch with my aggression. Mm-hmm. You know? And since I'm, I'm toothless living in the 21st century, there's no war for me to fight. <laughs> so, you, uh, you got involved in... What made you move to New York? Um, one of my best friends is a great singer-songwriter from Toronto named Chloe Charles. And she and I got into touring together a lot mm-hmm. uh, around the U.S. And then we started going to Europe. We would go on these big tours and then we would each come home and have a big show in our prospective cities. And I was in yeah. Austin. She was in Toronto. So she would have these huge shows in Toronto and have these industry types come out to her shows and then get to do all these really cool creative collaborative projects Mm -hmm. and then i'd come home and i'd have a big show in austin and then it just sort of felt like nothing was happening yeah um and it was really easy for me to go on these runs these tours come home pick up restaurant gigs pay my bills yeah just get by Mm -hmm. and i i realized one day like i was done just getting by and Mm -hmm. i sort of needed the fear of god also known as Rent in New York City. Yeah, <laughs> instilled is, in me. <laughs> it's astounding. It's just I, I, I don't know how people. I, you, you're doing it. Obviously, you're not. You know. I don't know if I can. It's like I black out the second of every month, and I wake up and rent's paid, and I'm like, how did that happen? No, it's, just, it's the Indian in the cupboard. So he <laughs> pops out, gives great, great, great wampum. <laughs> so. Uh, that's what was the impetus behind that? Because that is uh, that is the watershed moment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is the thing that keeps them from actually doing it. And, and honestly, that's uh, I, I spent many many years kind of at, at that threshold. You know, mm-hmm. just sort of not quite making the actual decision, not actually pulling the trigger, getting mm-hmm. close enough to it, around it, smelling it, looking at it. You know, being very you know like putting it on layaway, so to speak, but never actually buying it whole hog. What made you do that? To move. To to do that to to yeah to uproot yeah you know I don't know when the one moment came it was something that I'd been dancing around for a long time and then I was in a band um, with three other people Chloe my friend being one of them it was a like a super group of sorts called the Sweetness and mm-hmm. we were doing really really well really quickly and then the band started to fall apart and I realized oh God. I'm going to have to, the solo thing is going to have to, that's it. This yeah. is it. This is what I care about. And I knew I was going to release an album. And I I thought, well, what seems terrifying to me? Oh, moving to a major market. Mm-hmm. And generally, that's my barometer in life, my compass. Like, what am I most afraid of? Okay, I should go do that. You're going to move forward to do that. That's yeah. not what people normally do. Especially <laughs> of all the major markets to say, how about I pick the hardest place to <laughs> You know, but pe- I think people will argue that about Nashville or about LA or about a, a number of markets. I mean, you mm-hmm. can, I think you can make any argument either way. I also thought I would be, I, hmm, I hate to say that I thought I would be happy, but I did. That's mm-hmm. why I moved there. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. So, yeah. Well, I don't think anybody really uh, thinks that they're going to move to New York and just like slug it out and be arduously in pain all their <laughs> own. I have to go down to the bodega to get like tiny overpriced... <laughs> <laughs> portions of food because I only have a mini fridge. I could I could live in a mansion in Omaha. 
Yeah. No, obviously there, there's that impetus. But I had the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I applied for Juilliard when I was uh, just coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do the New York thing. But then I, I played a gig in New York with about you know six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I had a panic attack on the way from the airport. I just It's just so much for me. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of information. All the freaking time. Yeah. I think it doesn't really uh, agree with my anxiety. I, I make enough information. <laughs> You're turning I, 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 I kind of an information mill. You know, I think that that's what I like, too. There's just there's an onslaught of it, so I have mm-hmm. to turn off mine sometimes just that's, to survive. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's go back a bit. You you born in Laredo, Texas, but your dad was Egyptian, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Now, what was that like growing up? I, and Laredo, really funny and confusing. We were definitely, I mean, Laredo's predominantly Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, it was like, I think the Census Bureau was like 99.6% Latino. Yeah. Um, and then I was like this weird mixed, like tall girl. Mm-hmm. So sort of Mexican by association, but not really. Yeah. Um, so my dad was significantly older. He was born in the 30s. So when I was, he, I was, he was 56 when I was born. So he was oh, wow. in his 70s, 80s. And yeah. mean, just this, you know, silly old Egyptian man smoking mm-hmm. cigars living around the house yeah. with this, you know, very white Irish mother. <laughs> oh, they yeah. were, they were quite the couple. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you have any particular cultural identity towards your, your Egyptianness? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I grew up listening to a lot of, um, Um Kathum, who mm-hmm. is, uh, um, for any like Middle Eastern people or people who are interested in Middle Eastern culture, she was like, oh my God, like just, uh, I'm trying to think of an, like there was like an Elvis. Yeah. Um Kathum was like the daughter of an imam and just this amazing Egyptian artist. I listened to her a lot growing up and, um, I was studying Middle Eastern politics and culture before I decided to do music and living mm-hmm. in Egypt and in Turkey studying Arabic. I mean, I think a lot of it was trying to figure out all the things that my dad never really, you know, yeah. like he never did told me those stories. So I was like, fuck you. I'm going to go yeah. find out for myself. Yeah. <laughs> th- th- that generation was definitely, you know, like keeping it close to the vest. That's, you know, like they didn't really talk a lot because why would you? What are you dying? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. That my I never really found much out from um, my my grandparents who were born around the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, they were they've just really closed off. I mean, just finding out anything about you know, say the war or any any other thing. I I once right. spent two weeks with my grandmother. Um, she was born in thirty three, um, but uh, she um, uh, we didn't exchange more than fifteen words in the two weeks. We just sort of hung around and did stuff. She yeah. really liked Doctor Who. <laughs> interesting yeah but uh oh, that's wild so you went to turkey and you studied mm-hmm. you, you studied middle eastern politics mm-hmm. where'd you go to college sarah lawrence college sarah lawrence college in new york ah. in yonkers yeah. Yeah. yeah what was the drive for that um i wanted to get as far away from my hometown as humanly possible Somewhere. and <laughs> in laredo um and sarah lawrence was extremely liberal mm-hmm. also i hated taking the sats and i had decent scores but sarah lawrence didn't look at sat scores they don't look at sats what they do they don't. look at your essays and whether or not you can afford it. <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, it's no, it's essays because everything is. Um, you don't get grades at Sarah Lawrence. It's all seminar and conference based, so it's all papers. It's okay. all reading all the time. And I'm a big book nerd, and I love writing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just like Sarah Lawrence. I think the 
the thing there was like, we're different, just like you. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That that sort of that that leave and cleave to other thing. You know, you're we're just yeah. yeah. Right. We Everybody's were, we were, different together. Yeah. <laughs> we let's all turn to your bell jar to page forty seven. <laughs> Wherein. Right. So then I got there and I, I realized that I, I think I liked being the oddball out. I liked being the black sheep. So when I got yeah. thrown into the mix with a bunch of black sheep, I was like, you guys are freaks. Yeah. <laughs> so you were like, you were the, the, the button down like person. <laughs> guys, guys, we can't keep leaving the bong out. Yeah. Right. The first day of class, I remember my mom, you know, who's like very... Um, pretty conservative we walked onto campus and there was a huge rainbow u.s flag like mm-hmm. hanging in the entrance of campus and i was like oh was my this conversation. god yeah. there was no conversation no, did, your mom, <laughs> did your mom just like you know like blank it out like absolutely yeah. i'm sure she was like oh look at the lovely colors you know like right. she did not acknowledge <laughs> what was happening yeah so what did your mom do she stayed at home yeah. raised us yeah. awesome brothers and sisters older brother older sister okay both in Texas. So you're the baby yeah. what do they do uh, brother writes mostly, and my sister stays at home. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Are you close with him? Um, yeah, close-ish. Uh, mm. Pretty close with my sister, my brother, and I, off and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. What's he write? Hmm. What's he write? Uh, he writes fiction and non-fiction. That pretty much covers the width and breadth. <laughs> Of the written word. I'm going to dance around this as much as humanly possible. We've been pretty out of touch for the last yeah. year or so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any particular reason behind that? I don't want to pry. but you know. <laughs> Not uh, to pry, but let me ask more personal questions. Hey, it's the, it's the podcast. We're not, we're not talking about cold fusion here. <laughs> um, a shit. Um, yeah. And I think he'd be comfortable with me talking about this. I guess I don't, I don't even. Well, uh, my brother has schizoaffective disorder. He's bipolar. Mm. Okay. And he's been in and out of recovery. And I've, you know, been through a lot of transitions. And it's been hard. It's mm. really, really hard, um, I think, to, to deal with someone who's coming in and out of psychotic episodes. Yeah. Uh, to maintain relationship and, like, proper boundaries. Mm. So moving to New York and going through, you know, the last year, like... You know, our dad passed away, and there was a lot of friction around that. Yeah. We just, we've taken some space. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's perfectly natural. I think it's, yeah. It's it's difficult when you deal with, with somebody that goes up and down like that. My um, my my grandmother, my, uh, who I met once, a different mm-hmm. grandma, not the grandma that liked Doctor Who. Right. But uh, I had a grandma. I only met her once, and she, um, she was bipolar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. She would have the episodes, and my mom made sure to put some distance between her and I, but and the rest of us, you know, I grew up with two sisters. But yeah, we, um, so much to the point where I only hung out with her for one day. That's wow. that's the maximum. That I, and I get letters here and there. She mm. helped me buy my first guitar, but she said she wanted me to sign in blood that I would never hurt another woman. That in blood, and that's that's when she would buy me my guitar. My parents didn't show me that letter. They told me about it later. It's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was one, during one of her manic kind of a things. You know, right, right. Up and down. So moving to New York, mm-hmm. being involved in that. What it, like? What was the plan? This is my. I want to. I want to. I want to do sense memory with you and picture what it's like to do. Like, okay, you got off of JFK or LaGuardia, wherever you got, and you said like, I'm gonna 
I found this Craigslist apartment with these scary people. I'm going <laughs> to float around for three months until I can find some place where, you know, they don't clean their cat in the sink. <laughs> no, it was actually so there were like spreadsheets going into it. It was really planned. Oh, my really? Uh, my roommate, uh, my first roommate was also f- was from Nashville and she was a publicist mm-hmm. um, in the folk world. And uh, so sh- we had a lot of the same friends and mm-hmm. we found the place beforehand and we did really have spreadsheets. It was really nerdy. Mm-hmm. Um, she did them. I'm completely fucking disorganized. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I but- remember that club. <laughs> and then you got married. <laughs> yeah. And then I got married. Yeah. And then, and then now it then becomes, she just, she walks in the room and goes like, can you stop being in your own filth for a little bit? <laughs> Just to be a human. Is that what happens? You I'm some- terrified. Can you somehow show me a glimmer of the man I married without just surrendering to to time and tide? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much. Uh, so I got into New York and um, what was, what the fuck was I planning on doing? I was releasing a record oh. and I figured that would, that would solve everything. Um, but I was so busy. I, I don't know. Things just folded, unfolded naturally. Like... I remember driving up to New York and um, I thought, okay, I need to release a music video. So I'm going to find someone who will do it for free mm-hmm. and a dancer and that'll happen. And then like two weeks later, I met a dancer and my neighbor did music videos. And that's honestly, that's kind of like what my entire experience in New York has been. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And then like Kismet will kick in and like, you know. I'll meet them at the cafe. It's okay. It's kind of magical. Yeah. I mean, some of it's been like babysitting and like trying not to kill children. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a little tap but- dancing. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> like the, the fighting tooth and nail for certain things. But yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I just, I hit the ground running. I booked a bunch of shows at Rockwood mm-hmm. and I set out looking for bandmates and I put together a new band and that band was a train wreck and I put together a different band and, yeah. and that band was amazing and I still have that band today, awesome. a year and a half later. And th- I mean, they play m- my music, obviously, yeah. and um, just went about building a name for myself on the scene. Mm-hmm. Which is just basically just pounding the pavement over and over again, playing Rockwood over and over again, maybe a little pianos here and there. Yeah, you know? pianos in the beginning, not so yeah. much pianos anymore. Uh, but I played at Rockwood enough that I, I got to the point where I was ready to start slowing down. And I stayed on the road at the same time. I toured around the Northeast, and mm-hmm. I've toured around the country a couple times since. Um, but, you know, the songwriter scene... I've experienced this in every market is so close knit. And I Mm -hmm. think if you take what you do seriously and you make music that you're proud of, you'll find those people. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a shitty person. Yeah, just don't be a shitty person. That's a lot of people have a hard time with it. A lot of people are really thoroughly convinced they're not a shitty person. And a lot of people have, they're just too nice. That's the thing. And by too nice, they are, they end up being shitty. Um, Let me explain myself. Essentially, it's that, it's, it's that the people won't, you don't say boo to a goose. They won't, my, my granddaddy used to say, he wouldn't say shit if he had a mouthful of it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you just want, you're not gonna go like, hey, maybe we should play some shows together. Oh, that hurt to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing, and people don't do it. But you didn't. But you didn't seem to have that problem, not being able to just say, hey, I'll I'll play some shows. You want to play some shows with me? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Was that always in you? Um, I think. Well, uh, I think there has to be like a certain amount of chemistry with another artist. But if I meet someone and I, and I think that they're great, then yeah, mm-hmm. I'll. Yeah, I guess what I'm essentially saying is that uh, is that you don't seem to be hung up at all with uh, 
with, with wondering and whether or not you should actually like ask for something. You just you seemed uh, just from from you getting there and saying like I'm just going to book Rockwood a bunch. Right. And a lot of people kind of uh, this is all, this is all just from my own personal mm-hmm. perspective. A lot of people just fix to begin to commence to start to oh, as soon as I get this perfect and get this going, no. then I'm going to do that. No, fuck mm. no. I make the commitment first, otherwise it'll never happen, and mm. then I figure it out. Yeah. Like a, a friend of mine used to say, like this is how I get to the other side of the wall. I take my hat, I throw it on the other side of the wall. Hmm. Interesting. And then I figure out how to get there. That's pretty much how I got yeah. about my career. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess if you attenuate yourself to whatever you want, you're gonna like your brain is going to find it and seize it and seize the opportunity within that. I, you know, my listeners know this because I, you know, tend to whine and complain a lot. Um, I, I have the, I have a very great difficulty with depression. That's mm-hmm. my whole vibe. Is you know I've been on meds, I've been off meds, back and forth, and you know have like. <laughs> huge wide swaths of time i'm talking years where mm. like nothing get, nothing happens but i have always had a great difficulty actually doing the ask which like sales so, like if you want to yeah. say if you want to say to me like listen i'm going to torture you You're, you'd give me a bank of phones and you'd say sell um 10 ipods for 10 bucks in the next hour i I wouldn't be. I like. I have not, I, uh, just. I. I know it's super. Ch- I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm. I'm the worst salesman. Got it. Yeah. I see that a lot. Well, I mean, I experience that a lot too. Mm-hmm. As a, especially like as an artist, and one being like the thing that you're creating being so precious, and like being terrified of rejection, and mm-hmm. feeling like it's not really your place, or you're imposing, or you're bothering people, just taking, forgetting that what you're creating has value mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm trying this thing right now. Uh, have you ever heard of rejection therapy? I think I've lived it. <laughs> yeah, what, what's rejection therapy? Okay, so rejection therapy was a game developed uh, by a guy named James Comley. He's Canadian in 2009, and mm. it was an experiment in building self-confidence. And the game only has one rule, and the rule is that you have to be rejected by another person every day for 30 days. Wow. So for example, I'm trying to think of uh, an example. Okay. So I'm like on like day five or something. Uh-huh. I'm doing, I'm um, doing, I'm giving a talk in a couple of days and it's part, it's like an experiment yeah. for the talk. But um, today I was on a Southwest flight and I walked up to the flight attendant and was like, Hey, do you know those wing pins that you give out to little kids? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah. And I was like, can you give me one? And they were like, no. <laughs> they gave me a coloring book instead. Okay. But um, did you say this isn't what I asked for? <laughs> no, I, asked for I said thank you and goodbye because I was terrified. Yeah. It was just like, you know, like these completely unrealistic fears mm. um, totally restrict our lives. But like, essentially, you have to go out and ask for something that you are hoping you will be rejected for. Like, I can't, I'm trying to remember. I think I like went to a pizza restaurant and was like, hey, can I buy a pizza? But can I make it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no, <laughs> no health code, no. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm getting this. I, I think I've done that with Los Angeles. I asked it for a music career, and it. <laughs> and it oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's I, I'm, I'm doing okay. Like my, my accountant did say I was just a little step above a hobby, though. And, I've totally been there. I think yeah. I listened to you talking about your taxes. Yeah. When I listened to the interview this morning, I was oh, like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I've got so many W-2s to just bring in like a big old pile of rotten leaves to just lay at their feet and say, believe it or not, this doesn't add up to more than $50,000 in a fiscal year. I'm terribly sorry to do this to you, but I will pay you your fee. Now sort my life out for me. Right. Yeah. Um, 
it, that's interesting. The rejection therapy thing mm-hmm. is it is it basically the idea behind it is to demystify the feelings that you feel when you feel rejection. Yeah, mm-hmm. to make it realize. I mean, it's almost like you know they say that the fear of pain is actually most of the time it's worse than yeah. the pain itself. Oh yeah, and the fear of rejection typically, and a lot of times. You won't get a no. Most mm. of the times I get yeses. I, I mean, I, I've mostly been asking for free to get shit for free. And people yeah. just give it to me. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that there was a recent uh, This American Life episode that they were talking about the nice guy discount? Somebody told me about that yeah. because I'm doing this right now. I haven't should, heard it yet. You should check it out. It's very interesting. This guy basically just figures out to go and try to ask thing, for things for free mm-hmm. uh, under the guise that, hey, could I get a nice guy discount? Do you have something like that? Uh, and actually, I remember somebody tried it uh, on me once like, at, when I was working at a bar. Uh-huh. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't do that. This is a bar. Nice guys don't hang out in bars. So, sorry. <laughs> right. So, or at least they don't ask for drinks for free. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So, how how's it felt? Um, I'm scared most of the time, but then afterwards I get it and I'm like, oh, what else can I ask for? (laughs) Like you walk away with, and usually it's like, it's like a fucking munchkin from Dunkin' Donuts. Like it's nothing special, Uh but I feel like, like a champ. Yeah. It's like stupid shit too. Like I asked for, it's like rice pudding at a Mexican restaurant and I was like, can I get half of a serving and only pay half? And they were like, no. And I was like, I'm going to take over the yeah. <laughs> I feel invigorated and alive. <laughs> Nothing can hurt me. I'm impervious to pain. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> me culpa. Um have you thought about raising the stakes on this one? I think that I think you might be able to do better than half a rice pudding. I can't well and that's the thing I have. Yeah? Uh, I mean there so there are the like official rejections, the funny cute things that I've yeah. been taking photos of and posting on Facebook, but mm-hmm. at the same time I've been emailing people like on the music industry side of things yeah. like either inviting them to shows or asking them for shit mm-hmm. when normally i'd sit i mean i had one email that i'd been sitting on for like f- fucking three weeks yeah. um i'm gonna be at nam later on this week and we need an upright base and mm-hmm. i didn't want to rent one because it's expensive and it's, money, yeah. right and i was like there's gonna be a thousand uprights mm-hmm. at nam that nobody's using maybe i can use one for free yeah so i got the name of some uh from a guy from saga music and i i finally after like day three of the rejection therapy i wrote him and mm. asked him if i could borrow it for free he'd never met me before and he said yes and then he asked us if we wanted to showkase for the company okay <laughs> she's working out dude. <laughs> so i'm gonna have to like do you have like a booklet or like a like a, a pdf file that i could fill in with my information to do this myself there there's a website actually mm-hmm. it's rejectiontherapy.com and there's like there is a pdf that you can download yeah, yeah you know what'd be great is if you actually logged down and the first splash page just said no and then you, know, <laughs> you had to try it Done. five times you know, it's like oh damn it's working already yeah. oh wow yeah i i'm actually um you might not know like how I do music, but then the other half of the time I do acting, and mm-hmm. so I'm just sort of like in, in a sea of rejection. I would so. think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you kind of there's a lot of self talk. You have to work yourself around with rejection. It's not. It's, it's but it's insidious. It's not a no. It's just nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they say that the opposite of love is not mm-hmm. hate, but it's just indifference. So that's when you feel just sort of adrift, like you've been your moorings have been and just cut. And you're just out there in the middle of the Sargasso Sea, just you know, waiting and hoping for something to either take you down or to blow you onto shore. But that's you know, and people deal with it in various different ways. And now rejection therapy seems like it would be one of those things that would actually help bolster you and go like, well, fuck them, you know, I'll do it myself, kind of a vibe. But so what what day are you on? You're on day six or seven? 
today was day five, so I'm mm. headed to day six. Okay. I should write, raise the stakes. I, I, I do. Yeah, it's easy to... I'm realizing there are certain things that are easy to ask for, mm-hmm. like free shit at a restaurant or really anything at a mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, but sometimes, like I was sitting on the subway the other day and someone was listening to something on their headphones and I was like, well, I could just ask them if I could listen to what they're listening to. Uh-huh. And that would just seem creepy. A little bit. A little bit. But I mean, hey, you know, how are you, you might, that might be, you know, your next interior decorator when you finally get that brownstone. Yeah. I think uh. he sort of dressed like he was Flavor Flav's son. So maybe not. Yeah. But, yeah. um. Lil Flav. Yeah. <laughs> Flavette. Nah. Flavor, Flav June. Oh, man. Interesting. So you're coming out here to do Nam. 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 Recording. And play a show. Yeah, I got a show. I'm playing at Hotel Cafe mm-hmm. where we met. Yeah. Almost mm-hmm. a year ago. And uh, recording. And I'm doing a live video while we're in the studio. Okay. And I think that's it. Who's shooting that? A buddy named Dave DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We met at a, a different conference in Texas mm-hmm. a couple months ago. And it seems like the rejection therapy is is just a small portion of the way that you already live things. You're kind of open and you're taking stuff and you're like, whatever comes, you go, hey, cool, to run that into this and run that into that. Is that's It's astounding to me. You don't understand how different that is from actually the way that a lot of people think, Just not just in the artistic community, but in general. Hmm. You know, people aren't open for that kind of thing. Do you feel a difference in that or does it just sort of strike you as odd that people wouldn't, you know take opportunities that come their way um no i think i I understand both sides of it because i've been on both sides of it it's just yeah. like it's a conscious decision so when i see something that comes across my way like rejection therapy also something that excites me like oh mm. that sounds fucking terrifying yeah that's like the opposite of boredom to me boredom is like sitting in my room staring at a wall hating myself mm-hmm. doing oh, that's that is my friday <laughs> night man that that coupled in with a little hbo go <laughs> set. that's all you need man so I have to take on things like rejection therapy because it excites me. Okay. You know, and it it keeps me out of my head for the mm-hmm. most part too. And it keeps, I feel like I'm moving, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I have seen, I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, like if you tour around the country or you just play shows anywhere and you just like meet strangers or something. And like, I've seen a lot of like play shows and people come up to me afterwards and be like, it's, I think it's so cool that you're playing music, that you're doing what you love or whatever. But you know, I have this job and I hate it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I just, and I'm like, why? why, why? Like I get, I know. I mean, at some point they say like, if you make really good money at some point, you, the golden cuffs close down and you're like married to uh-huh. a lifestyle of a certain sort. No, well, not even just that, but just like the idea of, security that you know like hey if i stay here in this you know three foot cubic space for two weeks at a time they're going to pay me this much amount of money that i can allocate towards this and then the rest of it i can spend on slowly killing myself with alcohol and cigarettes you know <laughs> or whatever people's vices are you know right unpasteurized right. or cheese. stress whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's the great unknown i mean that's i for my 30th birthday my wife took me to uh, skydiving out here oh it was great yeah. but this is my personality. She, to throw me off the scent because she did a phenomenal job, she said, hey, tell you what, we're going to have to wake up really early on your birthday, get up at like five, six o'clock in the morning and bring uh, bring swim trunks. Like, <laughs> okay. Where can we possibly be going where we need swim trunks? It's like, yeah, okay, swim trunks and then sunscreen. Okay, okay, where she's taking me to the beach. That'll be fun. We'll go to the beach. It'll be fun. Right. Ah, what's, what's wrong with that? That's nice and fun. Oh, and um, and your license. And uh, <laughs> and a bit of documentation, and I said, okay, 
it's getting weird. It's getting weird. <laughs> and uh, and so we were <laughs> like, where where are we going? I was like, oh, we're going to, going to go out to the desert. Okay. What what do I need? To, yeah. So she had me out there and was driving me out the whole way. And then um, I started getting a little suspicious because I started seeing planes driving above. And people coming out. And people just, you know, little ants just, you know, descending out of them, you know, <laughs> like a bird in the sky. Um, and then I saw the sign for the place. Like it was, you know, quarter mile down to uh, the tandem skydive of Skydive Elsinore. And I just lost it. I was like, I was wasn't like excited or anything. I was like, "Are you kidding? This is like it's it's a fear. It's mm-hmm. it was a massive fear. That and being eaten by a shark <laughs> are like the top two. And I got in there and I was so angry at her and I felt so bad later. But I was just like going like, oh, how, how fuck do you think this is a good idea? This is my birthday. You're trying to kill me. What's going on?'" And then she said, "Just get, tell you what." Go in there. We'll watch this video that they want to have us do, and then we'll, you know, we can make a decision after that. And as a disclaimer, they have just this ambulance on this video driving away from an airstrip. <laughs> and I, I for so I just gutted through it. They were they filmed us and did video the entire time. And uh, and I, once I got out of the plane though, once I got out of the plane. And I was in the air, and there was nothing that I could do. Even if the chute didn't open, right? You know what? Yeah, it's totally yeah. out of your hands. So I had the, it was the very best. I, I, I was, was hooked on it. I was just high the rest of the day, just mm-hmm. a seething ball of energy, and, and you know, it was amazing. And uh, I apologized profusely when I got on the ground, and then I, you know, but did I learn my lesson entirely? No, I, I'll get it again. You know, I'll do another skydiving thing. Probably swim with a shark or something. <laughs> I don't know. Watch Jaws over and over again, all on acid. Some sort of yeah. exposure therapy. Yeah, exposure yeah. therapy. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. Dealing with rejection. That's probably just being an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a it's a weird job. It's you know you're 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 trained to be really self involved and uh, to a certain respect and be very conscious of yourself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, let your let whatever is your inner light just flow through. Like your like your body's the lantern and the soul light within you is just pouring out through it, mm-hmm. saying the words under the given circumstances, and you know open your heart up, but don't take it personally. Right, kind of a vibe. So. Right. Uh, but it's I love it and I, I I can't stop doing it. I stopped doing it for like six or seven years and I felt empty. So right. I just started recently getting back into it. Um, but more on more on the point about uh, about jumping out and in doing what you want to do mm-hmm. and and that kind of a thing and and making it a conscious thing. Have you found that that muscle has gotten stronger and stronger, or is it just every day you're having to challenge yourself again to do it in a conscious way? Uh, it's both um it's like some on like on a grander scale and i think there's the big stuff and then the minutia and they're related okay like for me uh yeah making the decision to become a songwriter drop out of college you know and then like go to open mics but then you know like these days what it looks like for me is setting a writing schedule for myself and Mm. making the commitment to write at least 30 minutes a day, four days a week, mm-hmm. write more days than I'm not writing one because I realize when I don't, I get depressed. Yeah. You know, just like you, I feel fucking empty mm-hmm. and, um, I just need it. it. It's, it is, it's cheesy, but it's like medicine mm-hmm. and, um, making the decision to totally quit drinking because I was, I was starting to have serious issues with drinking on the road and not being able to stop and getting depressed as a result of it. Mm -hmm. And just realizing that like I needed to 
to like really block down and be serious about health and like happiness. Mm-hmm. It was all related. When did that happen? Uh, started like 10 months ago, but I've been sober for eight months. Wow. Are you, are you a friend of Bill's? I am a friend of Bill's. I'm an AA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went to a few of those meetings. I got a, I got a DUI about, uh, three years ago. So yeah, they make you go to meetings and, uh, with the farm. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was the most hellacious portion of my life. You know, mm. that particular thing. Now, obviously, you know, drinking as a as a form of therapy for that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Did you hit did you hit a bottom? Totally. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was this isn't my first time in the program. I've been sober before. This is mm. the longest I've been sober since I was like 12. Really? really? <laughs> did you? When did you start drinking? When I was like 12. I grew up yeah. on the border. It was pretty yeah, normal. You just like pop over in there? As long as you can reach over the bar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I hit like what they call like a spiritual bottom. I mean, Mm. you know, from the outside, I think everybody thought that I was doing really well. Mm -hmm. I was on the road. I had lots of dates on my calendar Uh and that's sort of the facade, like stay busy. So nobody asks questions or like, you know, when they ask how you're doing, you're like, Oh, I'm playing in North Carolina tomorrow. Like that's my answer. Like, but how are you doing? Yeah. And after (laughs) that, I'm going to be in Virginia. Uh, Don't look at me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, moving so fast that you don't really have time to stop and sit yeah. still and look at shit. But as soon as you do, you're like, fuck, uh, <laughs> I have no friends. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't happy. And like for me, it always came down to like I would stop and question whether or not I should be playing music. Like mm-hmm. if I had any business doing it. Yeah, which is the worst thing because it's the insidious snake eating its own tail. You get depressed and so you go like, I don't want to feel this anymore. So I'm going to drink it. And then mm-hmm. you you wake up the next day and you're like, well, I didn't feel anything for a while. Now I feel worse. Right. So I should probably drink. Right. You know, that's the insidious thing about being on the road. Isn't that funny how like when you get out and, and away from your own home and all that stuff and you're like, well, we're at a bar already. That's mm-hmm. where you typically play more often than not. Yes. What would it, what would it be like to drink all the bottles? <laughs> What? Everybody's encouraging me, and I'm not paying for yeah, it. Yeah, they're just giving it to me because I sang some songs. I mean, I, I must have everything together. Mm-hmm. I I ruined someone's rug in Portland. <laughs> but it was a mo- an emotional thing. I played at this. Uh, it was downstairs from this Ethiopian restaurant, and it was possibly one of the worst gigs that I ever had. We were um, supposed to be opening up for um, this band, um, uh, Scars on Forty Five. Okay. Know, yeah. And uh, they ended up having to flip and uh, and left before us, played before us, too, because they had to play a uh, radio in Idaho, drive all night to get there. But they took most of the equipment, and we only had this uh, 10-foot cord for the mic that needed a, that was 15 feet away. Oh. So it was just stretched across like a <laughs> telephone wire. And they had this, uh, this dishwashing machine that they'd turn on every now and then that sounded like it was just full of nuts and bolts. <laughs> And I had to stop halfway through a song and just go and wait for the cycle to finish of the dishwashing machine. And I, so I just, I drank my emotions with that one. I was like, totally. I was like, what the fuck else are you going to do? Yeah, Portland's a music city. And I played in a garbage dump and I drank, I just, yeah. And then my friend had to take care of me. It was just one of the sad, uh, one of the sadder moments getting around to that. So being clean and sober on the road, Mm -hmm. you get a lot more done. Um, yeah, I feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also very conscious of 
how those gigs happen because I've played a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so I'm a lot pickier because I don't really want to be in a bar mm-hmm. unless I'm unless I'm there for a purpose. Yeah. Unless I know that, um, you know, like I'm gonna be able to hit an audience. Like I'm gonna be able to do something that's of value. Otherwise, I'd rather be home writing. Yeah. So it is better for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I stopped taking restaurant gigs this year. Hmm. Because I just, they made me miserable and it wasn't worth the money anymore. The clinking of forks and the shuffling of plates. Yeah. I just like, it, it, well, th- that's like depressing, right? Yeah. Um, and my, I used to justify that the money was really great. And it's mm-hmm. easy way to get people on the email list. Yeah. Um, but I realized that like I was good at it, but I wasn't great at it. I'm yeah. great at working a listening room. Yeah. I'd rather just just do what i'm great at and mm-hmm. fuck the rest of it man i'd rather babysit life's too short man it really is do you really have that um that sense of that feeling like does it, that draw towards um the booze do you, do you still feel it or is it getting is it dissipating more and more it dissipates more and more because yeah. life has gotten a lot better and mm-hmm. i've just like filled it up with a lot of other things mm-hmm. um but i miss it definitely i get yeah i miss it sometimes because yeah. it's I, I don't really have patience for like parties anymore unless mm-hmm. it's certain kinds of parties like if i go to a sober party because people tend to have conversations that are of substance mm-hmm. you know not that every god i sound so fucking patronizing yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> but like okay like i went to a a party in the city for polyamorous couples i'm not i'm not polyamorous yeah okay but i went to one and it was amazing. It was so interesting. And like people weren't really drinking, but everybody was talking about their feelings. And I yeah. love that shit. I love talking about my feelings. Oh, hey. Yeah, that's that's why I started a podcast, you know, so I could like get a little bit, an extra hour of therapy per week you know, from other people, not just my, my poor beleaguered therapist. Yeah, that's a polyamory, huh? Yeah. And they were, I've never understood that dynamic. I'm far too possessive. I think it's just, yeah. It's not for everybody. And mm. there's all different kinds, too. There's, you know, the sort of, I think, poly, I mean, I'm not polyamorous, so whatever. Um, you know, the kinds where people maintain multiple relationships that are emotionally involved mm-hmm. and some where it's just sex and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a primary partner and a secondary and like a triad where everybody's dating. Oh, man. It, but I think the idea is that communication is very open and your needs, whatever they are, are being met. Mm-hmm. See, that would not work for me at all because I'm still working on uh, like communicating with one person openly. <laughs> That's yeah. it's really yeah. hard. Not turning yeah, into an iceberg and just <laughs> you know, not not like becoming like wall art. You just you know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna you're you're working on uh, you're actually working in the studio too, yeah? Yeah, yeah. recording um, the next two days. So the last couple of months, I've been writing a lot. Mm-hmm. Now I've got. A good chunk of material. I want to record another record. How big is the chunk of the material? I'm saying like twenty songs. Uh, yeah, like twenty songs. Okay, uh-huh. twenty songs that like you know, that like I wouldn't die showing to another person. Okay, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, <laughs> I like to um, let them be halfway born and then kill them. You know, find <laughs> find that nugget of truth, and then as soon as it starts to kind of like show that you know I might not be right on, on to a number one hit, just kill it. <laughs> That's why I got the yeah the 32 gigabyte iPhone so I could hold all my you know the clips yes oh I have the same thing yeah, it's a little bit here and there you know what I find though um you know like two months later after I've 
given up on a song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this happens to you. I'll go back and I'll listen to it after I'm not attached to it anymore mm-hmm. and be like, oh, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And part of that, too, is uh, is you, you go back and you listen to it and you're like, oh, I could totally Frankenstein that into this one. I cannot tell you how many how many songs are in tip, one typical Jake Newton song, you know, hmm. about three or four of them, you know. And then a lot of car noise with me kind of, you know, doing falsetto in the background. For some reason, driving driving on the 110 here in Los Angeles <laughs> just inspires falsetto. Something about it. Yeah, all the tunnels. Who knows? Well, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. Sure, my pleasure. Well, that was a fun conversation. No, that was a great conversation. Allie's got that kind of spirit that just says, no, keep moving forward. She embodies what this show is attempting to be about, which is the ever-present, ever-moving, constant motion And the idea that it never hurts to ask, right? Some people are born with it. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. But I want more of it for myself. I'd rather not rest on my laurels or my imaginary laurels, but continue to move forward. Take the toy out of the box. Live with it. Continue to spread the word about Shark Brain. Go to jakenewton.com for any live dates. I've got a few things in the works, guys, and I'm really excited about them. I'm going to keep on keeping on, as they say. Inertia breeds with it power and intent and other things. I don't know. I skipped out on physics in high school. I was playing in pet band. What do you want from me? Thank you so much for listening to the show. Email me with your suggestions, with your comments. Reach out. It does me a huge amount of good to know that you guys like the show that it's affecting you, that you're enjoying it. Right now, I'm going to go and I'm going to do a power nap. Bam, 15 minutes. I'm going to start watching the Grammys. And then I'm going to go to a Grammy party tonight because, yeah, struggling as I am, I am connected enough to get invited to at least one Grammy party. It's a humble brag. No, it's not a humble brag. It's a regular brag. I feel I've earned it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like a rapper now. Hmm. You know, start wearing chains carrying around with me most of my personal wealth in the form of jewelry. Sounds like a plan. I digress. I love you guys. I really appreciate you guys listening to this. Love your friends. And be well. The 